Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, we check in with Brian Hurley of HBC Hurley Basketball Club. If you're the sort of person that's ever wanted to go from being a fan to actually running your own team, then Brian's the guy that you want to hear from. Great interview. Remember that you can subscribe to TBT's podcast on iTunes. Leave us a rating. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. Hey, Brian. How's it going, Doug? Great, man. How are you? Doing well. So you're, we're talking to you from Boston today, right? I'm actually in Brooklyn now. I moved after graduation. Oh, congratulations. What are you doing down there? Thank you. I work at a commercial real estate firm called CPEX in downtown Brooklyn. So what kind of stuff are you doing? A lot of, a lot of calls, a lot of working with uh, landlords who own buildings. Um, me, I work on a team of three other uh, people that we sell commercial buildings in Brooklyn. So are you actually involved in the management or the sales of those buildings? Just the sales. I represent the um, owners of the buildings to to sell when they want to uh, make a move on their property. Well, you're also trying to make a move on TBT because I noticed that last year uh, you made a great showing in terms of voting coming in second in the, uh, in the South region. And I kind of wanted to talk with you a little bit about your background with TBT. How did you find out about this? So my oldest brother who wasn't involved in the team he actually well he was he got us he was the highest recruiter of votes on our team michael he um he had sent me a link to it in 2014 when i was still in school uh, or actually no that was in so it was in 2013 when they first had an article on grantland about it and he sent it to me and my brother chris we looked at it we thought it was a cool idea i went to the tournament in philly last year or the first year me, my dad, and brother went down, watched the games for the weekend, and then I figured next year, the year after, I definitely would like to participate if possible. When you and your brother kind of found out about this, did it, a light bulb go off as, hey, this is something we want to do, or was it more, this is something cool that we might want to go watch? I definitely think it was something we wanted to do, at least um, I did. I knew I couldn't because I was still in college playing basketball, so it wasn't legal for me at the time. But um, once I graduated, and even so, after it ended, I kind of lost. I wasn't thinking about it too much. And then when it popped back up in 2015, I was like, I, I have a resource of voters at my college. Why not try to put a team together? And so that conversation with your brother, because it's your brother Chris was the one that was actually on the team with you, right? Correct. So with a conversation with Chris, when you went from 14 to 15, uh, was he on board with it? Was there reservations on his part? What was the, the conversation like? No, he was on board right away because right? he had liked the idea. He thought it would be um, cool to play in it too. And then once we figured we were getting a good amount of votes, that was something that we could use to attract some guys that um, might be interested in playing that still play professionally, which would give us a better chance because he was then four years removed from college. Um, so I, we initially thought about playing, but I think – in the end, putting a team together was a better idea. When you went down there to Philly in 2014 uh, with your dad, I mean, you guys were, and yet at the time, you were a college basketball player. Your brother had played, I think, at St. Michael's, right? Correct, yeah. He had played at St. Mike's and graduated in 2011, and I was just finishing up my junior year of college. I had actually tore my ACL that um, season, so I only played the last nine games of the season that year. Um and then we went down, watched. It was a great tournament. Um, there was a lot of good games. And I remember, specifically, I remember the Princeton game against the Barstool team that came down to a last-second shot, which 
Barstow was clearly the most talented, but it showed that teams that had played together might have a better chance because they have a little more team chemistry. What did you think of that when you saw that Princeton team? Were they, were they doing things on the court that were familiar to you or that you thought, hey, I can replicate that? Yeah, I thought definitely that um, they were running the sets that they had ran at Princeton. They were um, all were on the same page about who was going to do what. Team-wise, they weren't just coming together a bunch of talented players and you didn't know which role you were going to play, whether you're going to be the, the scorer, the go-to guy, or whether you're going to be the point guard who's running the show. So it, it showed that um, it, it's not all just about the talent. You definitely need talent because they're all Division One players, but you need some chemistry to go along with it. I think that's why Notre Dame won the first first year over Barstool. Did you end up coming to the championship game in Boston that year? I did. Actually, yeah, my, my whole family went to that one, my parents, and both of my brothers. And then there was a bunch of my friends that were there because everybody in Boston um, thought that it would be a good idea to go to. It was a pretty crowded game. Yeah. Who did you vote for that year? Did you vote? I voted for Barstow that year. Interesting. So you actually I, had some you, you had some interest in the, on the line in that championship I game. I thought that they were going to win, so I figured I'd go. my best bet was with them. That was a loaded team. What what was it? I mean, obviously with Dante Jones and they had Matt Walsh who, you know, played at Florida and had a great mm-hmm. de- decade plus career overseas. Uh, what was it about that team that kind of interested you? Was it Barstool itself? Well, I yeah, I'm from Boston, so I've grown up with Barstool um, around. And then um, Boone, the big man, Josh Boone from Connecticut. I remember watching him play. Uh, so I figured if you win something as a fan for voting on a team, I, I wanted to t- pick the team that I thought had the best chance. Now, you played at Bowdoin and obviously are a New England guy, although living in Brooklyn now. Um, I assume that's not going to impact your fandom. What did you grow up rooting for? Were you a Celtics fan, I assume? Yes, I was a big Celtics fan back in the Antoine Walker days. Um, the Walker wiggle, Pierce, and losing to the coming back against the Nets by 24 in the fourth quarter, and then losing to the Nets, though, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then we had a little lapse for a while, and then we got a big trade with KG and Pierce, uh, KG and Ray Allen, which brought us back to the top for a little bit. What about college teams? Did you did you have a college team you rooted for? Yeah, I've always rooted for Notre Dame in all sports just because my family is a Notre Dame um, family for football big time, um, basketball. I would still root for them, but I kind of go from team to team for uh, college basketball, especially now that I've finished playing basketball. Um, I don't watch college basketball as often as I used to. When you were there with your family for that championship game, being a Notre Dame family, was there any conflict among who was rooting for who? Oh, yeah. My dad was rooting for Notre Dame and voted for them, and I was rooting for Barstool. Um, so there was definitely some conflict. Now, I think... Had, go ahead. Sorry. I said he had the uh, Notre Dame t-shirt that they gave out when you walked in, and I had the Barstool one, so... Yeah, I was going to ask you. So you, when for those that don't know or don't remember, but in the first year for that championship game, it was at a neutral site. Well, actually, not a neutral site. Uh, Barstool won a vote to be able to host the championship game uh, actually at BU. Um, at mm-hmm. their, uh, I think they call it the roof. Is it the cage or something like that? The roof. It's but case. Case. It's arena, in the right? roof. Yeah, yeah, it's case arena. And so when fans walked in, they were given an option of picking either a purple uh, shirt for Barstool or a green shirt for Notre Dame. So as the Hurley family walks in, what was the breakdown? Um, I don't remember exact. I think we we got one of each. Um, I don't know if my brother. My oldest brother and his friends came in a little bit after us. I don't know if they had T-shirts. I didn't rock the uh, Barstool shirt during the game, but I 
I ended up with a Notre Dame and a Barstool one by the end of the night. So I had both. That's great. So, you know, that, that sort of seed is planted in 2014 and you guys, as you said, I think maybe took a while and didn't think about it. And then the announcement comes in 2015 and you decide to um, commence the team. Now, how did you go about naming it? The name of the team is HBC, right? Correct. Yes. And that stands for Hurley Basketball Club. And that stems from, there's a league in Watertown, a men's league that um, once you've graduated from high school, you can play in. It's a lot of old, you have older guys who are in their thirties, um, who all ex division one, division two, II, division three guys. And then you have teams that play in it. Usually WPI has a team in it of all their current players play in the summer league to, um, get some good competition and Brandeis sometimes would put a team in. But my brother, when he started playing in that, um, my dad named the team that he started as Hurley basketball club. So, um, that's where the name H and then it got shortened to HBC. And then we've always been playing for HBC in the summer league in Watertown, which actually got their first championship this summer in that league, um, which was big. You, big, big bragging rights. Um, you, I imagine that the, the, the great town of Watertown must have uh, really been excited about that one, huh? Yeah. Were you um? So did you play this summer on that on that rec league team in Watertown? Unfortunately, I did not get a chance to because I moved to Brooklyn in June, so I missed out on our only championship season, which was disappointing because um, there's a lot of a lot of trash talk going down on that league all the time. Um, we had uh, the year before we were the number one seed in the playoffs, and uh, we lost to the number the last seed. I don't know. I think it was the eighth seed in a tough game. And you got in the games are one after the other, and it's under the lights, it's outdoors. And after the games, the older guys after they win because the older teams are, are very good. They're always just drinking beers and heckling on the sideline while we're playing. And we lost to the worst team, and we were it was tough. Oh, it was tough. How did you go about putting the team together for TBT? I mean, I'm looking at the roster, and you know, I remember being surprised, I think, at the transition. Because at one point last year, it looked like you guys might be trying to put together more of a participatory team with a bunch of guys that you know, maybe you played with at Bowdoin, uh, things like that. How did, it, how did that whole thing come about? So when I was at school, we started to get a couple of the guys on board of playing that I – one who had graduated, one of my teammates, the seven-footer, who's still um, – He's trying to go overseas this year still um, to keep playing. But I was trying to put a, a group of guys, some NESCAC guys, some guys my brothers played with. and then, But on the side, I was still trying to get as much talent as possible. I was reaching out to a lot of players, Twitter and Facebook, just um, talking to see what type of interest we'd have. And then once we got some uh, movement going on that end, I told the guys that, um, I graduated, like who had played a bone with me that we weren't going to play anymore and they were going to get cut from the team. How did that conversation happen? Well, I told them originally that that was going to happen if we did. They didn't really care. They were just, they still would joke about it to me that I cut them both, but I told them that more than likely I was trying not to play. I was trying to put together a team. Did you call them or did you text them? Well, one of them was still at school with me, so I told him, and then the other one I called who had graduated, but those were the only two that were had signed up and been on the roster. Was there any sort of back and forth about, hey, you can still keep me on the roster, you got you know a couple of extra slots, anything like that? They never pushed for that, so I never had to deal with it, luckily, because you know, I signed them up for however much we put their salary down for, but 
they uh, there was no pushback, so they had full full disclosure when I signed them up that there's a possibility that we weren't going to play. Seems like as long as you're clear with people at the beginning, this is what my plan is, and this is what my backup plan is. Uh, they seem to understand that, huh? Yeah, exactly. And they're my buddies, so they don't they didn't care too much. They'll still give me um, some crap about it today, but what was the first piece to come together? So. Um, Darren Mency, who had played in it last the year before for a team from Boston, um, he had played against my brother Chris in college, and um, he was the f- one of the guys that I started talking to, going back and forth trying to figure out um, who we could get if they wanted to um, play for our team. And the votes was a big thing. As we got more and more votes, I was explaining how, I mean, that's how I would try to get people to join our team because they wouldn't have to do any votes, anything votes-wise. Then Darren Duncan, who was his teammate at Merrimack, who also played against my brother, got on board with him. And that's when they started to get a bunch of guys that they had played um, with overseas in the past couple of years. And did you have a good relationship with those guys once they were kind of on the squad? Or how did that communication happen? So I had never, once Mency joined, I had been going back and forth with Darren Mency the entire time, um, talking, trying to figure out who, how many guys he could get, who he could get, um, all the logistics, where we wanted to play, because that's when we changed to go to the south, because it was easier for travel purposes for guys to fly into Atlanta than into Philly. Um, and I thought that the Northeast was stacked with votes and with talent so we figured the south would be a a good option to go down there and play even though i think the talent was pretty good everywhere um but we were going back for back and forth for a while and then we uh he started to get a group of guys and then that's when he joined the team and then everybody else started to follow suit and i didn't know i had never spoken to other than him and darren duncan i had never spoke to any of the other players except for Evan, because he was the last guy who came on who didn't know everybody else beforehand. Um, I had never spoken or met the other guys on the team until we got to Atlanta. How did the negotiation for what their share of the winnings was going to be come about? So, yeah, that was about the last the last piece of it at the end. Um, we just said that me and my brother were going to split uh, 80,000 of it, and then they could divvy up the rest Darren and the guys could figure out how they were going to divvy up the rest between each other. We actually had a coach who was who had coached a lot of the guys in the Canadian um, basketball league, who was on the roster to coach, but he he's still a coach at the Windsor Express team, which a lot of these guys had played for at one point or another. But he had to be out in Vegas for a um, showcase that first first weekend, so he wouldn't have been able to come until the next weekend. That was Bill Jones. Yeah, exactly, which I think a lot of the guys playing together was a big help for us because they could run their sets from their um, from the team that they had played for. And if we had their actual coach that they had at one point, would have definitely helped too. So do you were you able to actually see that experience that your players had playing together on the court? I mean, was it something that was noticeable that, you know, these guys have played together before, maybe these guys haven't? Yeah, I definitely think it makes a huge difference. They were – and we also – Everybody got down there either the Wednesday or Thursday before. And one of my teammates, a kid who's still at Bowdoin, um, he's from Atlanta. So we went and practiced over at um, his high school gym the first couple of days. Okay. We did Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And who was actually coaching the team? Were you taking that role over? Uh, me and my Chris, me and my brother Chris kind of just ran some. We knew when people wanted to sub, how everything. But Darren Duncan, who's the point guard, really coached the team. I think the point guard is the 
not just because I'm a point guard, but I think the point guard is the most important position when you don't have a coach um, because they're, they are the coach on the floor. So I think he did a really good job at it. And um, that was a big piece, him knowing everybody and them all knowing their roles on the team and what the sets were because the plays, I think, helped us a lot. And you could see with other teams that people never heard of, that like the team we lost to is a team that I think was, I don't remember the name of the team, but... The primetime players. The primetime players. They go around playing against, uh, like in competitions all the time, if I'm not correct, right? Yeah, actually, they're a minor league team um, that plays all throughout the uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia area. So yeah, they play so close I, to 100 games a year together. Exactly. And that, that shows because they, um, who did they beat? The, they beat the team BDB with um, Josh, Josh Selby. Selby. That was a very, yeah, that was a very talented team on paper. And you can see that teams that play together and know each other, um, it makes a big difference and have a coach that has been coaching them. So in that first game, you played a team called AMR, uh, which mm-hmm. was um, run by actually an agent named Aaron Riley, who had a bunch of his clients, I think, playing on that team. And you seemed like you handled them pretty, pretty well. I mean, one hundred two to eighty four, scoring one hundred points plus in a thirty six minute game is impressive. Mm-hmm. I think we we played very well that game. Um, we didn't have many turnovers. We shot the ball fairly well, um, and we everybody was doing their thing. Nobody went off on their own trying to win the game themselves or anything like that. Um, and it worked out well for us. I think that the team. I think we just didn't play too well the second day. Um, if you look at the box score, we had 15 turnovers. The day before, we only had seven. I think we shot 13% from three in the second game. Um, so I think we definitely could have made it to the Sweet 16 and to Chicago, but it, was just, it wasn't our day. And we still had a chance. Yeah, I mean, it was a close game, 66-59. The mm-hmm. turnovers, do you think, a result of something that the primetime players were doing defensively? No, I think it just... I don't know, your second day, second game on a back-to-back, a little slow to start. Um, they were hitting some of the, they were hitting a lot of threes um, to start off the game. We were missing some shots that we just were hitting the day before. And then I think it was two minutes to go. We were down by one. We missed two foul shots, which was huge. Then we were down by three with, I think, close to a minute to go. We, had, we ran a great play to get one of our guys open in the corner, and the ball just rimmed out. Um, so you could tell that it was going to be a tough game for us to win just the way uh, things were going. But I definitely think we could have, we had the talent, the chemistry to go to Chicago. It just didn't work out. Were you watching the rest of those games? Uh, yeah, I actually watched a lot of them while I was here. Um, so when I started working, I, I watched a good amount of the games. I was going to go to the championship at Fordham, but I ended up not being in the city that weekend, so I didn't get to make it up there for the Final Four or the championship. What did you think of the rest that you saw? Were, were they, was it a situation where you felt like, hey, I could have been there with this team and, and doing well? Yeah, I think if you look at the team that won it, um, they definitely have some talent. Um, they had McCollum's little brother who could score uh, very well. I don't remember his first name. Eric. Uh, Eric? Yep. Yeah, I mean, he was a flat-out scorer. And then you had the kid from Texas, um, Cabongo, who could play D and get up and down the court. But uh, I don't know how often those guys had played together before, but obviously it was a crazy finish to the game with a million dollars on the line, having it that close. But I definitely think our team could have had a shot at making a run. Because once you get to a certain point, some teams are more talented than others, but in a basketball game, anybody can 
beat anybody if the talent level isn't that big of a discrepancy. Do you think that's a, something that attracted you to this in that it's a single elimination event where you don't have to play, you know, a hundred game season to actually crown a champion? Yeah, that's a big piece because you see in the NBA with the seven game series, the best teams usually win out because over a seven game period, the better team is just going to rise to the top. But in a one game elimination, it's a huge difference. If you're not shooting well that one game, then the other team can win no matter who you are. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that is something that in the long term is going to be attractive to people? Is that this is sort of that one and done any any given day anybody can win? Yeah, I think it definitely will attract um, groups, and I think that might somewhat keep some bigger names from joining um, because they don't want to show up just for one game and play. But as you saw, it didn't hurt that much because you had um, Brian Scalabrini, a former NBA champion, playing. Um, you had Mike Bibby showed up, right? It was Jason Williams who yeah, did it. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So Mike Bibby still showed up and played um, the team from L.A. that – plays in the Drew League. LA um, Unified? I don't remember that. Yeah. They uh, obviously have some talented guys who all showed up, even those who want it done. So I think it is a good format. It's definitely entertaining to watch a championship game with that much money on the line. Yeah. Winner take up. I'm interested in the comment you said, though. I mean, is it a situation where you think that they might be afraid of playing and losing? Or that... What, what yeah. Do you think that is? I think that definitely deters more... Not as much so the talent, like teams like LA Unified, because most people who don't know basketball wouldn't know who that is um but like the guys who played in the nba who are like mike bibby's jason williams brian scalabrini's i think it could deter some guys who don't just have the love of the game who don't want to go to a tournament and lose and everybody think like oh they're not that good yeah it's funny that you said that about the love of the game because that's kind of exactly what i saw i was out in la to see the, those guys play that's what i saw from them from scalabrini and bibby was that they're there because they love playing basketball they clearly don't need the money uh, but they love the competition and they love the high intensity of, you know, actually being in that one and one and done scenario. You know, it seems a lot like the NCAA tournament in that regard, that there's just a lot of excitement and emotion that comes out. Exactly. Uh, and that brings a big piece. I think Scal is definitely a guy who just likes to play. Cause I remember when he was in Boston and everybody used to always just like cheer for him when he'd go in at the end of the game and think he was kind of just like the joke of a guy at the end of the bench and then he made a video of like inviting anybody down to the park to play him in one-on-one, -on -one, and he would just destroy everybody. That's, some people like to think that just because a guy doesn't get minutes or doesn't play that much doesn't mean they're not extremely talented still if they're in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Was that something you got to see up close growing up with AAU, the difference between sort of the guys that are destined to play at that high level and the ones that aren't? Yeah, so I well, for one, for my sophomore year of AAU, um, I played – um, with a team from Boston that um, we had Mike Carter-Williams and Nerlens Noel were on our team, and then George's Nang, who's a senior at um, Iowa State. So those are the types of tournaments like at the Nike Peach Jam um, in Augusta, Georgia, that you can tell there are some guys that are just destined for the NBA, like Nerlens. You could We knew from probably the time that he was – because he was 15 on the U16 team and I was 16 – uh, that he was definitely destined by the NBA. What was it about it then that you saw? Was it just athleticism? It, was it something? In yeah, it's athleticism. I mean, for him, it was his defense, which is clearly still his um, the best part of his game. Um, because you can't teach 
the ability to time blocking shots, which is one of his biggest uh, attributes. And even though he wasn't that, he was very raw offensively, and he still has um, in the NBA wise still has a little bit of ways to go for the offensive um, like post moves. But when he was 15, most people would say he wasn't that great. But defensively, he was extremely well, and he was just so much more athletic than everybody. Was he that height at 15 too? Yeah, he was about he was about six nine at 15. Was that something that, so playing AAU, you did that and you went down that route, but you also played basketball at BC High, Boston College High as well, Correct. right? Yeah. Was that tough to balance? Uh, no, I just stopped playing other sports. Like I stopped playing uh, baseball in eighth grade and, um, because that's the spring sport and then AAU would be in the spring. So once I got to high school, I just stopped playing baseball to do basketball for two seasons. I still played soccer in, uh, in high school, um, which was good to stay in shape in the fall before um, basketball and then that was before fall AAU now they do have fall AAU so some people have given up all sports to just go basketball all year round what do you think of that as a guy that grew up in Boston which is sort of the quintessential you know four sport town yeah I think it's good and bad I think everything eventually um, becomes a specialization to to make to become the best at what you do but I do think there's something um, to take from being able to play multiple sports um, like my, for example, uh, Pat Connaughton's from Massachusetts, Notre Dame. Now he's on the Trailblazers, but also plays baseball in the, uh, in the, he was drafted by the Orioles. Yep. And played from, from my hometown of Arlington. Oh, I didn't know you were from Arlington. Yeah. yeah Arlington. Actually, Arlington. Yeah. Is, yeah. I was wondering why sometimes I heard. Like, yeah. It, it comes out, it comes out occasionally. It depends on how many pops I've had, you know? Yeah, exactly. The, um, but yeah, he, cause we played AU together our, for U17s. And he went to St. John's Prep, our rival. So, um, but you can t- see it works out for him being an overall athlete, being able to play multiple sports. I was reading someplace that somebody did an analysis. It was in football, but it was an analysis of Urban Meyer and how he recruits. And he apparently has more two-sport athletes, two-sport high school athletes on his team than any other program by a long, long measure. I have heard that. I, and I do think that, that is, it means something to show that they can play multiple sports. Um, he has the most guys who are just recruited as athletes, not really have a position as much. And then when they get there, he teaches them. What, what do you think that teaches you a little bit about lesson wise though? You know, I mean, it's interesting because there's so much you can learn about one particular sport that mm-hmm. if you're specialized in it, it helps, but certainly maybe you're losing elements of athleticism that you don't get. Was that, yeah. you, did you pick up things from playing the point guard position that you would use in soccer and vice versa? Yeah, I definitely think so. And then there's just different, you, because in certain sports you use certain muscles more than others, so you're you're not as you're just focused more on what you're doing there. Where if you're doing other sports, you're kind of um, using obviously soccer and basketball a big difference because you're using your feet versus your hands. But I think that has something to do with um, training wise. It, it changes. Another thing that's interesting. You're the youngest of three brothers, right? Yes. So did you get the the brunt end of their one-on-one games in the driveway the whole, yeah. the whole life or what? Yes, I did. Definitely. I remember, I still remember the first time I beat my brother Chris in one-on-one in the backyard, um, which I was pretty proud of back in the day. But How old were you? Uh, I I think maybe I was like eight and he was 10, but I never really beat him that often, at, even afterwards. Uh-huh. But I, I think I could take him now. But um, <laughs> Why do you think that? Because, well, we, play, we still play all the time. It's, and my oldest brother, Mike, we do one on one on one, and it's more of just like a 
wrestling match than basketball towards the end of it. Is this like in your dad's driveway or something? Uh, we don't, we aren't all together playing basketball too often anymore because my brother Crystal lives in Boston and my brother Mike lives up in Saratoga in New York. Um, but when we're, when we're home for holidays, if there's a basketball hoop around, we'll start to play. What do your brothers do now? Uh, my brother Chris works in finance for um, MFS, a company in Boston. My brother Mike also, um, they do the same uh, jobs, um, but he works for a different bank in New York, Mellon, up in Saratoga. So, it seemed like your dad must have was must have been pretty psyched last year to see you know you guys on the same team and kind of coordinating this thing together, right? Yeah, I think he definitely liked it. I think he was uh, a big fan. Bought some T-shirts. That's great. I, what about any other family? Was it any other any yeah, other we, family involved? We had our uh, our uncles and aunts and cousins all voting for us. Um, so I think they watched a good amount of the games. Um, some of my uh, uncles that are more into basketball watched the games after we'd lost, but most people watched um, our two games. On the live stream? Yeah. What was the recruiting process like for you? Like, what was your pitch? Did you have a, a line that you would use, like, help me win and you could win too, anything like that? For the voting? Yeah. So um, mine was probably different than most people's, but I actually, so at Bowdoin, I know what their, well, I can't give all my secrets away how I got all my votes. <laughs> no, but, don't give any of them. I'm, just, I'm more interested uh, in sort of the people, did you have to do any convincing of, uh, you know, with somebody like, oh, I'm skeptical about this. I don't want to sign up. Uh, no, this is legit. I went last year. Like, what did you do with that? It, all right. So what I did was I took people. So at Bowdoin, I knew everybody's email addresses because we all have the same thing. It's like your first letter and your last name. So, and all my friends playing sports. So a lot of the guys, I'd be like, can you sign up and vote for us? And people would be like, yeah, we'll do it. And then to sign up, um, they'd be like, oh, I haven't gotten to it yet. It's like a hassle there. So. I actually had to sign up a decent amount of people. That's very cagey. So what are you going to do in 2016 if you don't have the, all the Bowdoin uh, opportunities? I could still reach out to a lot of those people, um, but we're looking different ways for this year of maybe working with um, like a company to who would sponsor the team and like pay for the guys' flights and um, hotels for the first weekend and then obviously get a cut. So basically just a booster, as you guys have it on your site. Yeah. So we're looking at going down that avenue or doing the same thing or try, and I'm just getting back in the touch with all the, the guys from last year to see where they're at, if they're wanting to play again or if they'll be able to. So still got a ways to go, but starting to get the wheels turned a little bit earlier this year than last year. That's smart. You guys are smart guys because I think that's a really underutilized approach is that if you use that booster slot almost as an investment opportunity, you know, somebody says, Hey, I'll put in 5,000 and I'll get 15 back if you win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so. That is that what you guys are are thinking about doing? Yeah, I definitely think that's what we're um, looking at. The only thing with that is, depending on who it is or what it is, you might have to change the name if it's a company looking for their like a sponsorship to have like um, it was that uh, video group crossover did that. Yeah. They had their own team and they brought all the guys down there because there were a couple guys that I played against that were on that team. One kid from Amherst and one kid from Rochester, but they did it where they have it's advertising and it pertains to their company because it's a video. I think it's right. It's like a highlight. Yeah, crossover, as I understand it, is a company that you coaches can send in their game films, and crossover yeah. is able to break it down very, very quickly by play by play by play. 
and by players' names, so you can like type in their name, and I'll give you all their highlights yep. from that game. Yep. Yeah, so they did it that way, which was cool. So, uh, but you'd have to, if we partnered with a company like that, we'd obviously have to change the name, which was something that I wouldn't mind too much about if we could get um, players to come down because we can fly them down and put up for their hotel. But definitely HBC, the name, kind of wanted to stick around for another year in the tournament. How far do you want to take this? Honestly, I want to try to get a team as. Uh, the best team possible together to see if we can actually make a run at getting to the final four in the finals. Cause I think it'd be cool to have a team on ESPN um, playing for a million dollars in the championship game. You never know. It could be more, uh, Brian, really, yeah, <laughs> I really appreciate too. your time. Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your, of your day, but uh, again, I appreciate your time and I'm really impressed that you went from being a fan to, you know, being an actual participant in this thing. Any, any advice for those that might have something else like that in mind? I th- yeah, I think if you don't have a, a basketball background, just getting the votes is the most key because if you can get the votes, then you can attract players to play for you because I think that's the most difficult piece is getting the votes. Have you had, so, have you, have you had any conversations you, with guys about playing for, with you and for you for 2016 already? Yeah, so that's what we're just starting to do now that um, the year has changed. I'm starting to reach back out to the guys we had last year and where everybody's at because we only had seven guys or eight guys come last year. I definitely think we had more guys in the roster, but they couldn't make it. So hopefully we at least have a 10 man roster. I think that's the perfect number. Do you find that people are talking about this and that they know about it? Um, in basketball circles, I don't, I think once more stuff comes about out about this year, um, with all the details, there'll be some more talk about it like there was last year. Mm-hmm. But um, people in basketball circles definitely know about it more than they did last year. Well, hopefully that, hopefully that awareness that's building in basketball circles is going gonna, is gonna to lead to some easy recruiting for you. Again, Brian, right. appreciate your time, man. And uh, I'll touch base soon, okay? All right, sounds good. All right, bye-bye. Bye.